Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 803 The Time, hour number two here on Sports 56 Mornings, the Monday, October 2nd, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently 72 degrees, a little cloudy, but it will be a sunny day. At least that's what the forecast is for. Hot. Uh, 93 degrees. My gosh, October 2nd, 93 degrees. Clear skies tonight, low of 66. And then tomorrow, another sunny day with a high of 92. Second hour of the program brought to you each and every day by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. They are your family's jeweler, located at 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at gaddisjewelers.com. And each Monday and Friday, they bring you the Memphis sports fact. Did you know that the last time the Memphis Tigers... Blocked the kick and returned it for a touchdown before what they did on Saturday against Boise State was in 2006 at home versus the Houston Cougars. Brandon McDonald blocked the field goal attempt. Greg Jackson scooped it up and went 80 yards for the score to give the Tigers the touchdown. The Tigers, unfortunately, would lose to Houston in overtime by the score of 23-20. to So it's ironic, Eli, that both those field goal Blocks and returns were 80 yards with Jeff Kantnarku doing it for Memphis on Saturday. James Gaddis Jewelers, your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. Again, 4900 Poplar in the heart of East Memphis. Give them a call at 901-767-9648 or go online to gaddisjewelers.com. All right, you were in Oxford while I was at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. And what a wild, wild and wacky, maybe the game of the day in college football Ole Miss wins at 55-49 over LSU with 1,343 yards of total offense, 14 touchdowns. Jackson Dart with a 13-yard touchdown pass to Trey Harris, who has been great other than the time he's missed because of injury. When he's been in there, he's been super. 39 seconds left to get the game winner. Dart 26-39, 389, four touchdowns, seven rushes for 50 yards and a touch. And Jaden Daniels matched him 27-36, 414, Four touchdowns for Daniels. He had 15 totes for 99 yards and a touchdown. An offensive explosion. Yeah, it was uh, it was just crazy. Obviously, um, did not expect that to, that much offense in that game. Neither team really having the ability to get a stop at all. It really um, for LSU. It's virtually inexcusable for their defense to be that bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they. First of all, Harold Perkins is one of the best players in the country. Um, year after year after year, LSU is loaded with talent on the defensive NFL side of the talent, ball. Right. I mean, it's it's almost I, it's it's really like you can't even picture that defense being that bad. You know, the the play of the game was the really the third and eleven with LSU up nine and Dart completes a pass for about five yards. The cornerback comes up, misses the tackle. It's like, I think like a 30-something yard gain. Ole Miss goes down and scores. Um, again, gets the ball back, gets the stop, gets the ball back, and goes and scores the game winner. Um, it's just, um, I give, I mean, 
Ole Miss has not really been able to run the ball at all this year against anybody. And against LSU, they ran the ball at will. And when they can get the running game going, when they can unleash Judkins, that certainly opens things up for Jackson Dart. And Dart was absolutely fantastic in this game. Um, there's, It's just it's uh, kudos to Lane Kiffin. He needed a, a big win, and they got it, even though you know in that fourth quarter for a while there, it looked like they wouldn't get it. Um, they found a way to get it done. That kind of gives him that signature win that he's been needing. Now they need to follow that up with a win over Arkansas, but certainly is a, a huge win for him, much needed. And yeah, for and for Jackson Dart, for all those guys, I think it was a much needed win and performance to dock off uh, a good LSU team. Were you still there watching the kid on the goalpost? No, I did not watch the storming of the field. Because I, 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 I heard the kid the kid did a flip off that post. Is he, he okay? Uh, I think so. he yeah he did not stick the landing, but yeah, he, I mean uh, he probably he, stuck his neck. I'm a little worried about that. He's not Simone Biles for goodness sakes, but yeah, that was crazy. Hundred thousand dollar fine from the SEC. Ole Miss says, eh, okay, we can afford it. We can afford it. Yeah, you talked about this week in the SEC. So this upcoming weekend, Ole Miss hosts Arkansas. Ole Miss at four and one now overall. Arkansas is at two and three, but you have LSU trying to bounce back at three and two now at Missouri. LSU is in. Deep trouble. I mean, I love Dan Wolken. He's my buddy. But, man, he was talking about, yeah, hey, how about if they go at S and 7-5? and five? What is LSU? Brian Kelly's a great coach. Look what he did last year with LSU in his first year there. Easy now. Easy on, on Kelly. Kelly's a really good coach. They got the right guy. But LSU at 3-2 and two, travels to Mizzou. Let's see how good Mizzou really is. They're 5-0. and oh. They've been good to this point. And now they got LSU coming in. Alabama, Texas A&M, and College Station both at 4-1. and one. A&M's defense has played really well. And Max Johnson, since Wegman went out, has been terrific as they were able to hold off Arkansas and get the win. But Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss. And then you've got Kentucky and Georgia in the East, both at 5-0 and oh overall. It's going to be separation Saturday in the SEC. A uh, texter says, I thought Dart had the best game I've seen him play. Yeah, he was, again, he, was I mean, terrific. he was terrific. And again, it's you get the running game going with it, 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 it certainly opens things up. And that was the problem they had really had up till this point this year is they just hadn't gotten Judkins going. He's been banged up. I don't know how much that has been a factor of it. Um, the offensive line hadn't been great. And against LSU, I mean, there were some gaping holes there. And then when that got going, that allowed Jackson Dart – to, to get things going. Listen, LSU offensively is still really good. I mean, Thomas and neighbors with Jaden Daniels, like that, those dudes are, are that passing game is crazy good. It, it's hard to guard those guys. Um, but their defense is just, I don't know. I don't, I don't even understand how, again, how that defense could possibly be that bad. I mean, that's, what, 86 points allowed the last two weeks mm-hmm. by LSU? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's that's inexcusable for that defense to be that bad. Um, and again, especially when you're talking about, you have at least one of the best players in the country in Perkins. So um, they got to get some things figured out defensively. You know, they get trying to guard Luther Burden gonna be a gonna be a real problem if they don't get some things figured out defensively. We know Ole Miss is gonna have problems defensively. Look, they have good players, 
but nothing compared to what LSU had. So well, the, Ole Miss was the, fine, was fine playing a shootout. Well, the thing I said, I was telling my friends, I was like, here's the deal. Ole Miss's defensive coordinator was at Alabama last year. Pete Golding. He couldn't stop him with Alabama's players. He certainly ain't going to stop with Ole Miss's players. <laughs> like he's, so their offense, and I just didn't think Ole Miss would be able to keep up with, against LSU's defense. Not that LSU's, again, not that they're good, but I just, if you had told me that LSU was going to score 49 points, there's no way that I would have thought Ole Miss could put up 50-plus against LSU. Yeah, and Ole Miss kept coming back. They kept coming back, and they kept coming back. And now Ole Miss is in the mix for the West, you got Alabama, Texas A&M. Again, they're going to play each other this weekend, both 2-0. LSU 2-1 now with the big game at Mizzou. And Ole Miss hosting Arkansas now at 1-1. All right, elsewhere in the SEC, it was Alabama all over Mississippi State, 40-17. They picked off Will Rogers three times. Jalen Milroe did some good things. He did enough, but it was that defense that starred in this game in Starkville. Yeah, he... Um... I mean, Milro barely threw the ball, but he also didn't have to. And they ran the ball well. And he didn't throw Betty in completion. The 10 of 12 in the game um, had the big touchdown run. The The series there at the end of the first half was just the, the killer for Mississippi State, where they give up the touchdown. Then you're thinking, okay, that's you're just get into halftime, but maybe you get some points. You throw the interception on the very first play. Now Alabama gets another touchdown. And suddenly you're down 31 to 10 at the half when it looked like at one point you might get the halftime down 17 10. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now you're down 31 to 10 and just no chance from there. Um, you know, Will Rogers, not good at all. Meant to the three interceptions. It just, it was, it was a tough go. And if, if you give, especially for Mississippi State, you get behind like that. Now you're down 21. Alabama knows you pretty much got to throw the ball. That's going to be a tough situation for Mississippi State against Alabama, who again, Still has really good players on the defensive side of the ball. Tennessee, three touchdowns better than South Carolina as they get some extract some revenge from last year. 41 to 20. Jalen Wright rushing the ball, 123 yards and a touchdown. So uh, Joe Milton didn't have to do too much, but he was solid. Uh, unfortunately, Brew McCoy injured in that game with a right ankle injury. Meanwhile, the defense getting to Spencer Rattler, they sacked him six times. Yeah, they made life miserable on Spencer Rattler. Um yeah, and Joe Milton, okay. But they, they they got their running game going again. I mean, in the end, Tennessee's going to go as far as that running game is going to take him. I think, again, if you have to put the game into the hands of Joe Milton, I'm not sure how well that's going to go. Uh, but those running backs, they, they've got guys rotating in and out. And when they get that going, certainly, uh, the inj- and the injury to Brew McCoy, that's a they, – they, like, you know, last year – Cedric Tillman, who missed most of the year, now Brew McCoy out for the year this year. They just seem to lose a very important receiver every single season at Tennessee. I expected more from Arkansas. I I took them in the points. I didn't think they'd win the game, but they ended up losing 34-22. Having Rocket Sanders back, I thought, would really help. 11 carries, just 34 yards. The Aggies' defense is playing extremely well. And Max Johnson, two more touchdown passes. He's taken over for the injured Connor Wegman. Again, A&M feeling good about going into the showdown with Alabama. Yet A&M, again this week, seven sacks, 15 tackles for loss. So that's back-to-back weeks where they've posted those numbers. So that's 15 tackles for loss in a game. (laughs) It's crazy. They've done it in back-to-back weeks. Um, 
you know, they if it wasn't for the turnovers, uh, they could have absolutely blown this play, blown it open. But um, costly second half turnovers by Johnson. Um, KJ Jefferson nine completions in the game. Arkansas less than two hundred total yards. This A and M defense, they are playing like an elite defense. If they can get the offense to really get going, they 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 certainly could be a factor in the West. No doubt about it. Brady Cook, career high, 395 yards passing as Mizzou goes into Nashville, beats Vanderbilt 38-21. And again, we'll see really how good they are as they take on LSU in Columbia this weekend. I think they're pretty darn good. I saw them up close and personal with those speedy receivers and a good quarterback. Kentucky, and I thought they'd win this game solidly, and they did. Kentucky, here very quietly, Mark Stoops' team 5-0. Every year with Stoops, 33-14, and Ray Davis, where did he come from? 280 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Uh, well, he came from Vanderbilt. That's where he came from. But the um, I guess they didn't utilize him at the, uh, Vanderbilt. This is the world we now live in, in the world like Florida football. They, they, they used to own Kentucky. They won, what, 31 straight games right. against Kentucky. Was it now three in a row for Kentucky? Now, Kentucky can line up. Look across the thing and say, we're going to run the football, and Florida can't stop Yeah, them. we're going to smash it right down your throat. And Devin Leary threw for 69 yards. 69 yards. He didn't have and to Kentucky throw. absolutely dominated Florida. It's could Mark Stoops has done an amazing job there. What he has that where he has that program now, it's it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and, and, they and, are and, now, don't, and don't give me Michigan State and all that. He's at Kentucky. He's in the SEC. He's fine. He's kicking tail. He really is doing a great they, job. They are better than Florida. Like they are, they are. He legitimately has that program right now in a better spot than Florida, which is insane to think that the Kentucky program would be in a better spot than Florida. Um, Davis was absolutely incredible. I, it just, I mean, that was a the game was over early. Like it was just, it was over early. I mean, it, it's amazing that that is that Kentucky can look that dominant against Florida now. All right, and then finally in the SEC, and I'm sure we'll get some thoughts from Barrett Salee in a few moments. Georgia wins again. That's what they do. They win. But they barely beat Auburn, 27-20. to 20. I know it's the, the longest rivalry in the South. I, I understand all that. But this is Hugh Freeze's first year, and Auburn has been very competitive. They don't have much on offense, and he's been very competitive. They didn't have any offense against Texas A&M, lost that game, but played well defensively. The game was 17-17 after three. Now, Carson Beck won for 313, threw a touch, threw a pick. I just don't know if Georgia's as good. I know they're not as good as they have been the last two years, but they're undefeated. But are they better than Michigan, Florida State, Texas, USC? We'll find out in the playoffs more than likely, unless they're going to trip up somewhere. Can Tennessee get them? Can the Western champion, assuming Georgia gets in from the East, beat them in the SEC championship game? I I don't know. All I know is they've... They've won every game, but they haven't looked great in a few in most of those games. Yeah, certainly offensively, they don't they they don't they don't look like it's all clicking. Again, can they turn it on when they get to some of the bigger games? Has this been kind of almost boredom of like, listen, we're going to win this game, right? Right. You know, like in this one, you need a play. You've got Brock Bauer still to go make a play, and he does that. He's absolutely awesome, but certainly they don't. Something doesn't look right. Like it, it's just, but again, that may turn on when they get, when they play Tennessee or 
you know, any big games on the schedule. Again, it would have been nice had that Oklahoma game re- been able to remain on the schedule. Love to have seen them play Oklahoma already, and we've got to have a much better idea. But it's that they don't, they are definitely not clicking on all cylinders. They haven't had to do that yet. Um, we'll see if they're able to turn it on and get things going. But yeah, it, they are they are not the, while they have the best roster, mm-hmm. they are not the dominant team that you would expect to this point in the season against the schedule they have played. Well, you made two very interesting points. One, are, are they kind of bored, <laughs> the two done defending champions? And number two, do they turn it on when they play Tennessee? They just haven't had a lot of obstacles on their schedule. By the way, the latest AP Top 25 poll, of course, George is going to retain that number one spot. 16 straight weeks, they've been number one. However, a season-low 35 first-place votes. That dropped from, I think last week was 55. So voters are taking notice as well. Michigan got 12 first-place votes. They're number two. Texas got 10 after running away with the game against Kansas. I thought that would be tight. They're number three, Texas, overall. Ohio State is number four. They got one first-place vote. Florida State, which was idle, they are number five. They got four first-place votes. So, again, there's a, a division among the voters as far as really who number one is. Then you have Penn State, number six. Washington looks like they could beat anybody at seven. Oregon, same deal at eight. Now, USC, that, that Colorado game, you got to wonder about USC's defense. Give credit to Deion Sanders' team. They came back, but USC still got the win. And then Notre Dame had to fight for their lives to win one at Duke, but they did, and Duke's a good team. Notre Dame is at number 10. Alabama's 11. Ole Miss is 16. Then you have Kentucky at 20, Mizzou at 21, and Tennessee at 22, LSU at 23. So four straight SEC schools. So now you look and you count them up, and who has the most? The SEC. Back on the perch where they usually are. Seven top 25 teams. The Pac-12 has six. The ACC's got five. The Big Ten has three. The Big 12 has two. One from the Mountain West, that's Fresno State, and one independent, and that is Notre Dame. If you're, I mean, it's, Georgia obviously is the two-time defending champion, so it's a little different. Um, But if you are just voting on what has happened this season, Mm -hmm. there's no way you would put Georgia in a No way. They have not looked like the best team, and certainly the wins they have do not compare to the wins that others have. Florida State, where would you put them? Like five or six? If you're just going on just this, this year, year yeah. I would say um, certainly Florida State would would be ahead of them. Texas, I think, would Texas be ahead of would them. be ahead of them. I mean, Texas Texas would probably be one. Washington would be ahead of them. Texas would probably be one. Mm-hmm. Um, Wouldn't you put Washington ahead of them? Um, They're drilling everybody. They play. Yeah, but they haven't. They haven't really played anybody either. Okay, um, that, but again, we're not great. taking into consideration what's happened in the past, as you said. I think if you just look at this year, Washington's been more impressive than Georgia right now to this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you could make that case. Again, neither one of us has paid Ohio like, State really, buddy. But I they would, went in the South Bend. Yeah, Ohio won. Ohio State certainly has a way better win. Now they haven't been ultimately no. great in other games, mm-hmm. but they have a huge win. Um, but you're certainly, I would say, Texas and and Florida State absolutely would be ahead of them. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue for lunch or for dinner. You can dine in, carry out, go through that no-contact delivery with the drive-thru, have them cater an event. I'm sure a lot of folks had some Corky's as they were tailgating on Tiger Lane for Saturday's 
Tigers game against Boise State. They have specialized in catering, by the way, the entire time they've been in existence, which has been about four decades serving up that delicious slow-smoked barbecue. Whether it's the ribs or just the cue, maybe you have it on a bun or as a pulled pork plate meal. Barbecue nachos are fantastic. The cheese and sausage plates, all their great sides. The tamales, if you want to go away from the barbecue. The tamales are delicious and they're award-winning catfish plate as well. Plus, big old juicy hamburgers, even spaghetti and great rolls that you get with the meals. Four convenient locations in the Mid-South, Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. They got party packs starting at just $7.49 and lunch specials every single day. While you're there, pick up a Corky's gift card. And also, Reserve your private party room at either the Cordova or the Olive Branch location. You got an event coming up? Just give them a jingle. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. Barrett Salee from CBS Sports joins us next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. 8.30 the time, halfway home on this Monday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. We continue to talk college football here in just a moment with our buddy Barrett Salee. A little bit later on, we'll dive into the NFL, talk about the Major League Baseball postseason, which begins tomorrow with four wild card series. The Ryder Cup, not so good for all us Americans. And of course, today being Grizzlies Media Day as NBA camps open up around the association uh, tomorrow. It is here, ready or not. But it is time once again each week during the college football season to talk with Barrett Salee. It's time to talk some college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Barrett Salee from CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, and Sirius XM Radio. Here's Barrett Salee with Greg and Eli. We talk with Barrett each and every Monday here on Sports 56 Mornings during the college football season. As Mr. Announcer Man said, you can check him out at CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ, and Sirius XM College Radio. Follow Barrett on Twitter at Barrett Soleil. Hey, Barrett. What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. We were uh, we were just talking about Georgia, and you were at the Georgia-Auburn game, and you mm-hmm. follow Georgia. You're down in the Atlanta area. What's going on? Are they I look, they're undefeated. They're still number 1 in the country according to the polls. But are they Eli brought up maybe they're bored? Uh are they uh just uh, will they rev it up when they play Tennessee? I don't know how good they are. Well, I said this on SiriusXM yesterday and honestly didn't get a lot of flack for it. If they weren't the two-time defending national champion, they'd be out of the top 5 right now. Mm-hmm. Because everybody else has either a signature win or has looked dominant in every single game. And this idea, and I heard folks say it Saturday night, some of whom are on TV, that to be the man, you have to beat the man. That's just so stupid because (laughs) it's a completely different team. And uh, you look at how Georgia operates, slow starts, 
all five weeks. Double-digit holes in both SEC games. A defensive line, that dirty little secret, is one of the worst in the SEC statistically. So, you know, I think when you look at this Georgia team, it's, not, it's just not built the way that, that other Georgia teams, specifically the last two, have been built. And I, I think, and I wrote this after the game, that's why they need a guy like Brock Bowers. You know, in the last two seasons, Brock was awesome, but he was only one piece of the puzzle. He's the only. He's the big part of the puzzle. He might be the only piece of the puzzle that's <laughs> that's uh, capable of leading them to a national championship right now. So, it's um, it, it's concerning. Yes, the schedule theoretically was going to be rather easy, but we saw what Kentucky did. Brady Cook has been awesome for Missouri. Ole Miss can score in bunches. Joe Milton at Tennessee when he's hot. Okay, you know, and it's on the road. This is a Georgia team. They're going to lose one game. I don't know where it is, but they're going to lose one game. What you just mentioned, Kentucky, um, as they just run the ball all over Florida. It's amazing to me how that series has shifted and how <laughs> the, the the Kentucky just lines up and dominates Florida. But how much of a threat is Kentucky to Georgia this week? Very much a threat because we saw what they did to Florida and. They ran over, around, and through a defensive line that statistically is better than Georgia. <laughs> you know, so I think when when you look at the Bulldogs, they're going to have to have their best performance up front by far. And when you have to have that against a guy like Ray Davis, you put yourself in a position where you might be um, you might be able to get you might, it burned in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Now Malachi Starks is there; that obviously helps. They have a lot of talent back there, but you know, I think for Georgia you got to take some risks because Kentucky is just punishing. And I asked Kirby Smart after the game on Saturday, like, hey, what does is, what is this performance mean in terms of how you prepare for Kentucky? And he said, we're, we're not ready yet. We, we are going to get punched in the mouth by Kentucky. We haven't been punching back, especially from a defensive line perspective. And that's, that's dangerous. I mean, this is – it's by far the most dangerous game that Georgia's had this year – and I would say in terms of during like the dynasty, considering where Georgia is as a program, as a team, with this specific team, mm-hmm. it might be the toughest test they've had yet. Yeah, so the SEC East may be very interesting after all. We know the SEC West is always interesting, and I think it got more interesting with Ole Miss's <laughs> win over LSU. So now LSU to Mizzou, you mentioned Brady Cook's lighting, uh, lighting it up with Luther Burden and all those guys that they have on the outside. Then you have Alabama in College Station against a Texas A&M team that's playing lights out defensively. So how do you see this weekend, Barrett, and really how do you see this West materializing as we move along? Well, you know, I said it yesterday, I'll say it today. Uh, The champion of the SEC's uh, West is going to have two losses. I mean, maybe one conference loss and an out-of-conference loss, but the champion is going to have two losses. And... I mean, this weekend, you look at the Missouri-LSU game, LSU's defense has been atrocious. And I saw, I don't know what the line actually is, but a futures line said, like, LSU 7.5. And And it's like, what LSU have you been watching? (laughs) Um, And then with Alabama and Texas A&M, I know folks are kind of back on board the Alabama train, and I get it. To an extent, I am too. 
But the offensive line has not played very well still, you know, after the Ole Miss game, after the Mississippi State game. It still hasn't been that great. And what we've seen from Texas A&M's defensive front, seven sacks in each of the last two games, those defensive linemen that were the focal point of the last two recruiting classes, they're playing like five stars. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, okay, on the road, what are we going to find out about Alabama? The A&M strength play into I mean, to Alabama's weakness. I Man, it's going to be a defining week for the SEC West. And, I mean, to me, I think it might prove that there is no elite team in the, in the division. And I don't think there is, honestly. Yeah, LSU, six-and-a-half-point favorite over Mizzou, and Bama's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Texas A&M, so two road favorites there. Go, going back to what you mentioned about LSU, and I was down in Oxford and I watched it with my own eyes, and, and I, did, I said, all right, there is no – reason for LSU's defense to ever be this bad. Like I, I don't even know how they're loaded with talent every year. They've got one of the best players in America on the defensive side of the ball right now. How in the world have they gotten this bad? It's, I don't know. I mean, I can sit here and try to figure out a, a good answer, but you know, I don't know. Uh, the secondary is atrocious. This is a team that's supposed to be DBU. Um, that was, a concern coming in because they, you know, didn't have bodies, and so they went out to the transfer portal and and tried to get some folks. But they were supposed to be helped by Perkins and Mason Smith and that whole crew in the front seven. And even if that crew gets pushed, the secondary is getting getting lit up. So, I man, I, maybe it's scheme, maybe it's house. You know, just not necessarily understanding his personnel. It's it's bad. It's bad, and, you know, it's one thing to get lit up by Florida State. You know, you have Jordan Travis, you have Keon Coleman, you have Johnny Wilson. Like, that's, that's, that's acceptable. It's not something you like, but it's acceptable. But getting lit up by Arkansas, mm-hmm. that's not good. And then Ole Miss, like, I get it, it's Ole Miss. They have Lane, and they, you know, that, that's kind of their, their MO. But at least do something. At, yeah. at least do something. And they, they can't, and, and that's definitely – um, you know, it knocked, it knocked them out of national championship contention before we turned the page to October. And honestly, that's, that's a, I'm floored by that. All right, one, one final thing from the SEC that I want to go around the nation. It's, this is crazy because I'm, I'm about to ask you this question, and uh, one of our uh, loyal listeners texted me the same question to ask you. He said, ask Barrett, this comes from Front Row Jay, if he thinks a two-loss SEC team can get into the college football playoff. You know, I hate to predict landscape because that's the the sort of the foundation of that question. My gut, my gut would say no, because to me, the Big Ten, the round robin among Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, a one loss team out of those three that doesn't go to the Big Ten championship game, it's probably going to get not probably it will get in over an SEC team with two losses because the SEC is so down. A Pac twelve team. With one loss that doesn't go to the well, both teams go to the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, there's no divisions, but let's just say there are two one-loss Pac-12 teams, one of which is champion, the other of which got there and lost or whatever. That team's getting in over the SEC too. And I know folks hate to see that here. The Pac-12 is better than the SEC. The Pac-12 is significantly better than the SEC this year. So 
a two-loss SEC team getting into the playoff, I would be floored if the landscape shifted in that direction. Well, they what if what if Texas and Oklahoma played twice, split the two games? Then both of them would get, the, yeah. the one that is second on the pecking order would get in over two losses. Yeah, that's I, I think too. What about Michigan Ohio State doing the same thing? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And Penn State too. Penn State too. Yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, I think it would be very, very difficult the way it's it's going at this point for for that to. Happen. Again, there's still we've just got to October, so there's a lot to be played out, and this, things happen in the world of college football. Speaking of Oklahoma and Texas, Texas, I I, I told Brandon Lane that they would dominate Kansas. You were right. I, I, you were right. Texas is really, really good. They are. Oklahoma yeah. has looked really, They're really good. They're getting better. Oklahoma. What, they what, do, you, what do you think about that game? I just think Texas is, is so much better from a talent standpoint and from a coaching standpoint. I, I, to me, it's just it, the talent on that roster, top to bottom, is top five. If you let, let's just say you take out recruiting or you, you factor in recruiting rankings as part of it, but then you go in deeper on experience and the previous success. That team, Texas team, is really, really good. So uh, I think they'd get the job done against Oklahoma. I still think Oklahoma's doing all right. I'm surprised that Brent Venables has had this much success. But I think when we, – and we talked about this yesterday. Where's the weakness for Texas? I mean, oh, I'm not – where's the weakness? There's not one. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we had to dig deep because a caller asked us, and it was like, okay, the, the weakness is they've never been here before. Uh, you know, and Steve Sarkeesian's never been here before. But this doesn't feel like the team – that's going to drop a game that they shouldn't drop. I mean, it's just, it it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way to me. So that's why I think Texas is, is going to, I wouldn't say roll, but they're going to, they're going to control this game from the outset. I mean, if, and if they do get by this one, it looks like it's, it's hard to find a loss on that schedule. Yeah, it it really is. Out West, you, you touched on the PAC 12 and how good they are. Were you a little surprised that Utah was manhandled the way they were by Oregon state? Yes. Because, you know, the quarterback situation at Utah is obviously not ideal. But DJU hasn't been great either. I mean, he's been okay. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of look at it and say, okay, who wins the line of scrimmage between those two? I mean, I think everybody would have answered, okay, it's Utah. Now, if you picked Oregon State to win or cover or whatever, okay, maybe you have a different reason why. But it's not the, the trenches, right? Like, it's not the battle in the trenches. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was floored. I was absolutely floored. I thought that there'd be at least something offensively that Utah could get done because a the the way that team's built and b you know the quarterback situation you know they, they can they can do some creative things even if things break down. I mean, I I don't know, man. This whole this whole season is just shaping up to be just unbelievable at the end. I, I think the way this has gone the first month. It wouldn't surprise me if we have six or seven teams making a case when Selection Sunday comes Yeah, we, we needed the 12-teamer to start this year, really, to be honest with you. We don't need the 12-teamer. <laughs> well, it's going to be tough. Uh, We're gonna be- I, would say, I would say this might shape up better for a two-teamer. Just saying. Yeah, but we're going to be belly aching. I guarantee you the way it's going, unless we have complete cannibalism in the Pac-12, which may very well happen, 
and they're able to distinguish themselves with with one that sticks out from the Big Ten, one from the Big Twelve, you know that kind of stuff. And, and it, usually it happens, right? Usually it, it falls into place. But there's just something about this year, like you just alluded to. I, I think it's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, that's uh, that's why we love this sport. You yep. know, we're going to yeah. sit here and get to the first weekend in, in December. And we're all going to be yelling at each other, and none of us are going to have the actual right answer, which is great. The the comeback by Colorado against USC is it more concern about USC's defense, or was this maybe they just kind of let off a little bit? Oh, it's concern about USC's USC's defense is trash. I mean, it's awful. And for Lincoln to get on that podium after the game and say, "Well, the problems on this defense." aren't what they were last year. It's like, yes, they are. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the exact same problem. So it's, it's USC's defense. And Lincoln is just too stubborn for his own good. I mean, we could sit here and talk about coaches who have been stubborn in the past. Jimbo Fisher. Nick Saban was 10 years ago. Nick Saban is not. Jimbo Fisher, to me, it's starting to look like he might not. He might have got the message. Lincoln's never going to get the message. Like He is going to win with his offense doing his things, and just trying to find 11 able bodies defensively. And that is not going to work. All right, uh, good luck to your Braves, um, but uh, don't don't get mad at me when, when the Phillies end up taking them out again. All right? <clears throat> good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> he is Barrett Salee. Make sure to uh, check him out at CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ, Sirius XM College Radio. He's everywhere, for goodness sakes. You can follow him on Twitter at Barrett Salee. Catch him every Monday right here during the football season talking with us on Sports 56 Mornings. Thank you, Barrett. Have a great week. Thanks, y'all. See you. Take care. Fleet Feet, the place to go to get all your running gear. Go see the folks at Fleet Feet at either one of the two locations. You go in and see them looking for shoes. Well, they're going to take a look at the way you run or the way you walk and where you put the pressure on the different parts of your feet. And then they will get you fitted based off that with perfect shoes for you. That way you could avoid injuries or any other problems when you're out there running or walking or just on a daily basis. Uh, if you're on your feet a lot, make sure you have shoes that are extremely comfortable and just right for you. Plus, anything else that you need, well, they've got that taken care of for you as well from shorts and shirts and hats, whatever. They've got all that gear for you. Hey, we are not far away. We're in October now. We're not far away from the St. Jude Marathon here in town. A lot of other races going on. I know folks are out there running maybe you're thinking about trying to train for that marathon or half marathon well uh, the folks at fleet feet they're all runners as well so if you've got questions about training for races or getting started in that type of stuff they can answer those questions for you as well and you can get involved with their group runs and other things that they do you can find them online fleetfeetmemphis.com they're on social media as well keeping up to date with things they've got going on at fleet feet my wife bought a pair of shoes yesterday over at fleet feet she mentioned your name. They made her pay double. I don't know why that happened, but it did. She loves her shoes from Fleet Feet. It's it's, it's unfortunate. That's why I don't say I don't say I'll tell you to say <laughs> that Eli sent you because you know it's, it's it can be tough. There's you get different reactions at different places. All right, we got lots to get to that we haven't even touched on yet, including the Major League Baseball playoffs, which begin tomorrow. The Ryder Cup. We talked a little bit to start the show about Grizzlies Media Day as the NBA season is just about here. If you want to chime in, 360-8255. That's 901-360-8255. Those who did not get a chance earlier to talk about the Tigers and Boise State will also get into the NFL. It's all coming up as we continue here on Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever. Woo! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that James Harden will not be in attendance today for 76ers media day. Harden remains upset that the organization hasn't moved him to the Clippers. Boo-hoo, James Harden. Boo-hoo. I hope the Sixers do what the Trailblazers did. Lillard wanted to go to Miami. They held off until they got the best deal possible, traded them to Milwaukee, subsequently traded Drew Holiday, who they got in the deal, to Boston and picked up a nice nice bag of goodies for the future. As far as uh, Harden is concerned, again, they're going to look to see what the best possible trade is whether it's the Clippers or somebody else. But right now, uh, it's a little interesting because with Portland, they wanted to make sure that deal was done before camp opened up. Same with trading Holiday because he wasn't going to be a part of the team. They did that. But the Sixers now, this is kind of a mess that Harden's still there, even though he's not physically there. Not a good situation. Normally, he just fails to show up for Game 7s. <laughs> A um, couple of texts here on the Sports 56 listener line at 901-360-8255 on the Ole Miss LSU game. Uh, text says, what a pitiful display of defense on both sides. But as an LSU fan, I'm ashamed of our coaching staff. Overpaid, underperforming, fix it or leave. Jeez. Boy, what a wonderful, this is the wonderful world of college football. Brian Kelly comes in year one, takes him to the SEC championship game, beats Alabama, and it's everything's great. Next year, here we are, just getting to the month of October, and hell with Brian Kelly, get him out of here. It's like Fansville. It's like that commercial where they're all going crazy. The dude's burning his stuff, and then the sheriff, which is Brian, who is Brian Bosworth, says, "Dudes, it was just it was the first play. It was the first play of the game. It's early in the season still. Yes, their defense looked horrible, no question. Ole Miss is a pretty good offense, but the defense looked horrible." Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach. I, I don't know what you guys are looking at. You LSU fans are so crazy. Uh, well, yes. Yes. That, uh, that You don't need this situation. I mean, know LSU fans are crazy. They're crazier than like maybe any fan base out there. I only saw, I, the other night at the game, I only saw um, one almost fight. So that was good. That's that's usually, that. Well, if it was, normally when it's Ole Miss LSU, I assume that we're going to get at least you know, four or five. In Baton Rouge. A lot more in Baton Rouge. No, in, in Oxford. <laughs> it happens everywhere. Well, I know. LSU fans Bat- get drunk and want to fight everywhere. No, I know. But in Baton Rouge, forget <laughs> about it. You know, forget about it. So, so who was the who was the defensive, the Ole Miss defensive player that rocked Jaden, Jalen, uh, Jaden Daniels? Quarterback. Daniels. Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Not McDaniels. Daniels. That rocked him. Yeah. He forced, oh. like, he forced a fumble. Yeah. The one, um, I don't remember who that was. The one that you, there were two different plays. The one play, like they picked him up off the ground. 
like he, he was like a little child. Like they just had him up in the air and he couldn't do anything. But that that there were so so few of those moments in that game where anybody made a big hit or did anything. Oh. Um, but yeah, the, I can't remember who that was. That was on the well, that was a, what second drive of the game or first drive of the second drive of the game. Um, I remember that was. But yeah, that was that was when actually defense was being played. And then after that, nothing, nothing. And then they they had the one they got the one stop late in the game that they had to get, which was which ended up being the the game changer and obviously the last play of the game. But that was more. LSU ran out of time. If LSU had more time, I think they probably would have scored on that drive. Another texter says the commentators kept saying that LSU's best receivers were never targeted in the game. Is this true? And if so, how? Well, I don't know. I don't know why they would have been saying that. Um, Thomas had eight catches. Neighbors had eight catches. Now you uh, they were targeted. Thomas was targeted ten times. Neighbors was targeted eight. They both went over 100 yards receiving. Daniels threw for 414 yards and four now, touchdowns. I don't think the now, problem was the offense. You could make a case that you could you should throw to neighbors on every play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I could I could accept that argument. Although it is funny, like there are, and and I don't know if it was because of the way Ole Miss was rolling the coverage and had a safety over the top, but there was there was one entire drive that I just kept watching neighbors, and literally they would snap the ball, he wouldn't move. He would just stand there. He was only there as a decoy. And I think it was because there was always a safety to that side of the field. They're like, well, hell, if you're going to roll the safety over here, that's fine. He's like, I'm not even going to expend any energy. But it was like literally an entire drive where every time they snapped the ball, neighbors would just stand there. And But if you're Ole Miss, you can't like go, okay, well, he's not doing anything because the moment you leave him, he's going to burn you. You're going to get a touchdown. But, I mean, they had the two of them combined. Again, Thomas and neighbors are clearly the two best guys. Um, neighbors is unbelievable. They had 18 out of 36 total targets, so they had half the targets. Yeah, I don't think uh, if they said that's a mistake. Um, it, it, I don't understand because the offense and the receivers were targeted. Daniels threw the ball extremely well. It wasn't the offense, obviously, it was the LSU defense. By the way, I don't have a list in front of me of all the receivers in the conference, but it's going to be hard to have somebody other than neighbors and burden. I think first team. Thomas is great, but Burden with Missouri? Yeah, neighbors is, neighbors and Burden are, are incredible. I, I know I'm probably missing some obvious ones because I don't I don't have a list with all the teams and all the receivers in front of me, but it's going to be hard to, to, to beat Neighbors and, and Burden, first team, all SEC receivers. Yeah, those, I mean, those guys are 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns, it seems like, every week. Um, obviously, you know, and here's what I will guarantee for sure. Brock Bowers will be the first-team tight end. There is no question about it, and first-team All-American. I mentioned uh, earlier American Conference Tulane got a tussle from UAB, ended up winning that game 35-23. They got the bye week, as does Memphis, as they are set for their showdown a week from this Friday at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. USF over Navy 44-30. USF is going to be a lot tougher than people thought going into the season, but Memphis does play them at home. Rice over East Carolina 24-17 at home. North Texas beat Abilene Christian 45-31. SMU over Charlotte 34-20 or 34-16. And then on Thursday night, it was Tulsa beating Temple 48-26. That's your American Conference wrap-up. When we come back, hour number three. Boy, oh boy, do we got a lot to get into. Again, we'll continue to take your calls and texts, but we're talking NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs, Ryder Cup, Media Day for the Grizzlies. It's all coming up. Here on Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.